You're listening to a production of the Good Lion Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. Today's episode is about teaching without a pulpit. For many aspiring Bible teachers, the desire to teach exists, but the opportunity isn't always there. In this episode, we talk about the many ways you can hone your teaching gifts and make an influence on the people around you, even if you aren't teaching traditional sermons. Let's dive in. Let's talk a little bit about where you might be for a second. Maybe you're listening to this podcast not because you're in a spot where you get to teach regularly, or you're in a spot where the teaching burden of a youth group or a young adults group or a home group or whatever, maybe that burden hasn't fallen on you yet, but you are interested in that being your opportunity someday. You are interested in the idea that one day you will have a formal chance to teach the Bible where someone will be looking to you saying, you're the one giving the sermon today. Maybe you hope that, but that's not where you are right now. And maybe part of what has brought you to this podcast is you're thinking through what are things I can be doing now to get ready for that time? What are the things that I could be doing to prepare myself for when that moment comes? We should discuss this kind of briefly. There aren't too many formal opportunities to teach in most churches. Like if you think about it, there's your church's main Sunday service, which look, if you're first time Bible teacher, sorry, but you're not getting that. And and you shouldn't. There should be ways that you build up to that. In my church experience, I definitely did not get to jump behind the main pulpit early on. I think oh, I should have prepared this before I started this episode, but I think it took 7 years eight years, something like that. Let's say seven, maybe six. This is getting boring. I don't know. It took more than five years before I had my first opportunity to teach uh, on the main stage at all. And that was for our midweek service. To do weekend services, it took close to 10 years of teaching experience before I got my first chance. When it came to youth group, I had been serving in the youth group or attending youth group. Um, for years before I got a chance to to teach there on a, a formal, meaningful level. there are, Maybe your church has some different classes that they do, and maybe some of those opportunities will come quicker. Those may be easier places uh, for you to get your first chance to teach the Bible, but there aren't really that many opportunities. And for the most part, for every teaching opportunity that exists, there exists a staff member or a lead volunteer where their job is to go and teach in that uh, space. They're the ones where that burden has fallen on them. So it it doesn't mean that you look at that and say, well, you know, the staff is full and, you know, that that just means that I can't do anything. That's not how you should look at things. First of all, good churches are going to be looking around saying, how do we develop new teachers. That's just a smart thing for any church to do. So don't be afraid of discussing, hey, what might it take for me to be able to get into some of those opportunities? But the other thing that you should be thinking is that it doesn't mean that you can start developing uh, start developing your teaching gift only when you get those opportunities. 
It doesn't mean that there's nothing for you to do right now. So today's episode, there's uh, one, two, three, there's five different ways I want to go over just different things, different ideas. Some of them are going to seem really simple. Some of them uh, I want to bring up because I want to show you perhaps the link between what you're doing in that thing and the way that it's going to help you prepare formal sermons. Um, I want to just go over five different ways that you can teach without necessarily having a formal teaching opportunity and, and ways that you can think about these things so that you see the way that they're helping you get ready for those formal opportunities down the line. Five things. I'm going to try and do them all quick because uh, I don't really like the show being longer than 20 minutes because uh, I think that's about the time that you get bored of my voice. That's the time I get bored of my voice. Idea number one, share things from your own devotions with just friends around you. And you can do this in a few different ways. Um, but first, the idea itself, just what is it that we're talking about when we're saying sharing from your own devotions? Well, teaching is all about learning how to hear from scripture and share it with those around you. A sermon, uh, some of the most powerful sermons I've heard have been 30 minutes of people saying, I have read this passage and it is destroying me on the inside and showing me all the places I am wrong and sinful. I want to share that with you. Uh, And so that can be what a formal sermon is. One of the things you need to learn how to do then is take an idea from something that you've read and turn it into something other people can consume. I think I think back to many conversations I've had with people who are like legit first-time Bible teachers, and they read their devos, and they stand up in front of people, and they're like, yeah, you know, in this verse, it talks about like Jesus being great, because like, man, he's he's just like, he's great. And it, like when I'm hearing people say that, I can see the passion in their idea. I can see that God is really speaking something about his greatness to those people, but they haven't figured out how to share that with somebody else. So I'm not saying replace your devotions with prep for um, talking through your devotions with friends of yours, but one of the things you can start thinking about is when something really speaks to you, ask of yourself, I'm going to share this with some friends of mine. So form a group of people. If you have a group of people that all want to learn how to teach the Bible, form a group chat. And just once a week, all of you commit, you're going to write one thought from your devotions because what it will get you in the practice of doing is shaping ideas that have spoken to you into things that will be able to speak to others. So find some friends, form a group, start just talking through your devotions. One of the things that I I think we're even going to talk about a little bit later in this episode as well, teaching is a verbal art form. And one of the things that you don't really get to practice very often is just talking through something. And so find a group where you're going to be able to just talk for one minute about something that stood out from your devotion life. It will train you to shape your ideas. It will train you to go from, oh, this is cool. I'm going to tell you that this was cool. And it will bring you to the point where you're ready to say, here is something that is from the text I read. Let me explain it to you and apply it for you. Those are just completely different ways of thinking. And in your own personal reading, some of that thinking is assumed. In teaching, it can't be assumed. It has to be work that you're doing 
in the teaching. Hopefully that all makes sense. That's the first one. Share from your own devotions. Just grab some friends, form a group text. If you form a group text, make sure your friends are cool with it. Don't just demand that they be part of you learning how to teach. It's kind of selfish. It's the opposite of what you should be doing in teaching. Teaching is about non, I was going to say anti-selfishness, but non-selfishness, whatever the word for that is. Let's assume that I said that the first time. Second way that you can practice teaching the Bible, or you can learn teaching without having a pulpit. That's a hard name for an episode. I should have come up with something better. Episode two. Episode two. Thought two. Lead a small group. Lead a small group. It can be just a home group that meets where people gather at your house or you gather at somebody else's house. It can be a youth group, small group. Uh, That was really my first uh, formalized opportunity to teach the Bible. I was serving in youth group and People would go in and listen to a message, and I would listen alongside them, and then we would come back and gather together for small groups, and I would help them process that message. Now, one of the pitfalls of this is if you're thinking, I want to learn how to teach the Bible, you can start using the small group you lead uh, to just preach your own second sermon or try to correct the things that you felt didn't really work in the sermon. That is not a helpful thing to do. That's a selfish thing to do. It will show people that you have ambition to grow, uh, perhaps at their expense. And that is just a terrible way uh, for anybody to serve the Lord. That's not a good thing to do. Uh, But there are some really, really good benefits for your teaching growth through leading small groups. The first thing is you're going to get to learn how people receive teachings. You're going to be able to watch most likely the first audience that you're going to get the chance to teach, and you're going to hear them respond to messages saying, well, this really spoke to me, or that was really confusing, or that went over my head, or the way that that was structured was really helpful. Like You're going to be able to hear all of those things, and those are going to go a long way for you in learning how to teach the Bible, being able to see uh, ways that people respond to and process messages. Those are all really, really good for you. You're also going to get to learn how to share thoughts and ask questions. You know, you're not going to be able to teach in the sense of here are the three points that I now want to share with you based on this message, but you are going to be able to share in the sense of, well, let's talk through this together. Do you do you think that this should lead to this? You know, when you heard this one point, uh, how did you think that you could apply it? You're going to be able to start thinking through some of those things uh, with an audience, and you're going to be able to teach just through conversation. Um, You're going to be able to teach through not just barreling something down on your people, but rather uh, helping them process something. You know, it is just as much teaching as what the person who's leading the youth group is doing. One of the things that I told my small group leaders a bunch was I I felt like in a lot of my teachings, I was giving people information. I was helping people see and understand the Bible, and then it was up to my small group leaders to teach the application, to teach through, okay, so now what do you do with this? Like I would give a few examples during a message, but really 
it was in those small groups where they learned how to teach application. They learned how to think through specific examples for these kids. And they heard different things that were going on in the lives of these kids. You know, if you want to teach people, you need to understand them. And so this was a great way for a lot of people to learn how to teach, to learn how to think about teaching, to learn how teaching was processed. Uh, and it was the first place that we've watched a lot of teachers at our church learn what teaching is all about. And so it's a great uh, prep process to get ready to teach when the opportunity comes. So first two things, share from your devotions, lead a small group. Third thing, find someone to mentor. You know, one of the things that we talked about in an episode previous was uh, the limits that teaching can have. You know, teaching is one way that people learn the Bible. It's one way that people hear things. One of the great things about Bible teaching in a formal setting is it can cut through all sorts of stuff and speak powerful things to people. Uh, The bad thing about teaching, not the bad thing, the limit that it can have is sometimes you forget it as soon as you walk away. So personal mentorship helps bring teaching into real life. It helps bring teaching into uh, real-life situations, real-life moments. When the teaching has been forgotten from the formal setting, it can be brought by you in a personal relationship into their real life. So again, this is very conversational teaching. But one of the big things that you're going to learn in this is how people learn and apply teachings. So think about it as you're seeing the teaching process in terms of what happens afterward. If you're leading a small group, you're going to be able to see immediately how people process messages. If you're mentoring someone and meeting them outside of church or youth group or whatever, you're going to see how they bring those messages into real life, and you're going to get to learn... um, the struggle that people go through in learning how to apply teaching. You're going to be able to see the confusions that people have later on in life. Think of how many times you've been in a mentorship conversation, either as the one being mentored or the one doing the mentoring, and the conversation will go to, we teach X idea like this, but in real life, that idea seems to work out so differently. You know, the people will talk about in mentorship the divide between the way things get taught and the way things get lived. So you want to be careful uh, to learn that through mentoring someone. Now, again, if you're mentoring somebody just so that you can learn how to teach, not cool. But if you're really caring for someone, if you're really walking through life with that person and helping them learn and apply good Bible teaching, if you're instructing them along the way and teaching them how they can follow after Jesus through those conversations, you're going to find incredible growth in people's lives. I think personal mentorship is one of the best things that can happen for anyone's walk with the Lord. But the second thing, you're going to see some amazing stories come out of it, and they will become the stories as long as you get them approved. Don't use them without. Uh, But they will become the stories that fill your messages with, oh, wow, they've really actually walked through this before. It'll make your audience go, oh, they actually know what they're talking about. That's pretty cool. So that's the third thing you can do. You know, share from your own devotions, lead a small group, find someone to mentor. Fourth, use social media. Now, I am not saying that all of you need to become like Bible verse and sunset accounts. That 
probably is not what you should do. Uh, it's not about becoming that preachy account that's all just only Bible verses all the time. But don't be afraid to do that sometimes. You know, if the Lord is really speaking some to you, don't be afraid to drop it on social media. Thinking about how you're going to write something, again, forces you to take an idea and share it with others in understandable ways. That's a good thing. That's really helpful in you learning how to teach the Bible. One of the big things that social media is going to give you that some of these other opportunities won't is it gives you practice speaking to a mixed audience. You know, you are speaking in a place where you have your believing friends and your non-believing friends all in one place. One of the problems that can happen with Bible teachers is they get so caught up in teaching to just settings of believers that they forget how to share the gospel with non-believers. They forget that you need to speak in different ways. You need to explain different things when you're around people that don't really have a ton of working knowledge of the Bible. And that's not a bad thing. That's just a reality you need to prepare for. Social media helps you prepare for that. If you just drop a verse and you explain it a little bit, if your explanation is super Christian-y and is just filled with language that non-believers aren't going to understand, then don't be surprised when that post you put up doesn't really connect with them. The other nice thing about social media is you get instant feedback. Now, sometimes we're too focused on that feedback. We live and die on the likes and comments that we get, but you can get a a window into how people are processing the idea that you just put out there. And sometimes that's a helpful thing, particularly if your non-believing friends respond to it. You can see what was confusing for them, what was easy for them to understand. Uh, You can see how many people kind of found that post easy to follow and easy to gain from. All of that stuff becomes available for you just by being a little bit bold, by stepping outside of your comfort zone and putting it up on social media. I will promise you that teaching the Bible in front of people face-to-face is far scarier than writing something about the Bible on social media. So if you're scared away from the idea of, I don't want to share the Bible in this setting, well, then it's going to be really hard for you to share the Bible in a preaching setting. So it also helps you develop that boldness. Speaking of developing boldness, we come to the last one. Start talking with non-believing friends and coworkers. This is where we bring up that idea of teaching is a verbal art. A lot of these different things I've talked about uh, center around writing in different ways, you know, social media, particularly, unless you do like a, a Devo video, uh, finding someone to mentor. It's going to be weird if you're sitting at the table and you're both writing notes to each other instead of just talking to one another. Uh, they, it's easy to think about how can I write and distribute that writing to different people, uh, but start talking with people that don't believe. Start talking with coworkers that don't agree with you about the gospel. And and don't come at it from the, I am going to be the bold preacher. I am learning how to teach right now. That's not the goal. Start with questions. Start with conversations. See where they go. One of the interesting things is that the same doubts that non-believers have about God are the same doubts that believers have about God. They can actually help you round out your thinking 
about faith and Christianity and spirituality in the modern world. They can show you things that bolster your own faith just because you were willing to take some time and say, you know what, I am going to talk to you about this. And you can use all of these same methods. They can see a social media post that turns into a conversation. They can you can go to them and share something that comes directly from your own devotions. You know, if it pertains to the situation that you're in, there's nothing that says you can't look at them and say, you know, this reminds me of something I was reading. This Bible verse tells me blah, 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 and it showed me X, Y, Z. There's no reason why you can't do that. And remember, that particularly, this last method is way more than just practice. It can create real life change in people. One of the things that you really need to understand, if you want to be a teacher, if the hope is that you will wind up teaching the gospel to people, or one of the things that we need to understand if you're in a situation like where I'm at right now, where I I was pastoring and now I've kind of stepped out of that particular role and I don't have the same pulpit that I used to have, one of the things we need to remember is that it's not about the way that we teach the gospel. It's about the gospel that we share. It's about the fact that God's word has power and is able to change lives. However we distribute it, all of it will help us get ready to teach sermons, but mostly it will bring forward the kind of life and change and hope and forgiveness that God wants to work around the world. Thank you for listening to another episode of the First Time Bible Teacher Podcast, part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. If you want to stay up to date with this show and all of the other Good Lion shows, head over to our website, goodlion.io. You'll be able to see all sorts of great content made by wonderful content makers. You can also follow Good Lion on Instagram at goodlion.io for different articles that we're creating, different podcast episodes that are are coming out, and all sorts of different things about this show. You can even follow this show specifically on Instagram at First Time Bible Teacher. We have video clips, episode art, different updates on where the podcast is headed and links to different Good Lion content. There's all sorts of great stuff for you there. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.